to learn new habits. Becky and I were talking about that this morning, that there were lots of new habits for us to uh, to learn. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting that, you know, uh, just as I'm thinking about the last few moments, uh, we clap for kids here at Unity, but we don't clap for adults at Unity. And, uh, you know, you just uh, you learn new habits as you go. Open your Bibles with me this morning to 1 Kings chapter 8. Uh, we've got a lot of material to cover this morning. Uh, I'm actually going to uh, try to change a little bit of my habit uh, this morning, and uh, this message was all one message. My mama warned me, okay, you should always listen to your mama, Brother Robin, but she warned me when she uh, heard that I was preaching this particular passage this morning. She said, now, David, you can't give them that whole passage on Sunday morning. I said, well, mom, it's only 66 verses. And she says, well, you're going to have to break it up into at least two. And by the time everything was done, I broke it into three. I would encourage you, uh, if you would, just uh, talk to your friends and to your neighbors, to members of our congregation that aren't here for whatever reason this morning, and uh, tell them that this morning I gave you five principles of unified ministry. And tonight I'm going to give you three principles of unified ministry. And Wednesday night I'm going to give you two more principles of unified ministry. And when all of this is said and done, we will have ten principles for unified ministry here at Unity Missionary Baptist Church. And so uh, I don't normally break passages into series, but I, uh, we will be breaking this up into several uh, different sections. You know, uh, Becky and I, we, uh, we joke around together that when we go on vacation, we have to plan those in little three-day stints. We can't go on vacation together for more than three days at a time because it's not that we don't love each other. It's not that uh, we don't care for each other, but... If we spend more than three days in the car together, oh, the, the things that we want and the things that we need and even the things that we think we uh, need to do in order to move our family forward, they, uh, they're not necessarily the same. And boy, we, you know, we will clash just like that. And so we plan our vacations in little three-day stints, and, uh, and that way you know, we are not in the car together you know, any more than three days at a time. Unfortunately, you know, when we uh, work together in ministry in, in churches, we, uh, you know, can't uh, have that in little sections. Although sometimes, you know, that's what happens. You know that? Uh, when people come in and, and they've attended for a little while, and all of a sudden they pop out and they drop out, and you go, well, I don't know where, you know, so-and-so went to. Sometimes they're taking that break, so they don't, you know, flash, and like you Miss Becky do in a car. Now, some of you are looking at me like I've, I've kind of uh, lost my mind here, but y'all don't, have, uh, y'all don't have that kind of relationship with your spouse? Y'all can, y'all can stay with, you, with the kids that you, uh, you know, have moved out and have come back, you know, and y'all don't have any of these kind of people where you love them and you, you want them and you, you enjoy their company, and, but where they are driving me crazy. Kevin, uh, probably a year and a half ago, Brother Donna, he, he had 
testing of his welding or anything. And when you see the welds on that trailer, you're going to be embarrassed by them. <laughs> you know, Kevin is one of my best friends in the whole world. And uh, he uh, put that trailer of mine, and it was all busted up and twisted up. And I said, Kevin, I said, I at least need to sell this thing. And you know I don't weld. And you, and you just help me here. And he came over and he grabbed that thing and took it to his house and fixed it all up.
foundation of that building. There's a whole bunch of people that come from all over the country. Some of them are old, some of them are young, some of them are powerful, some of them are weak, some of them are religious, some of them are not religious, but they all come together for this one time. As we look at 1 Kings chapter 8, and I'm only going to read the first uh, 20 verses this morning to start us off with, I want us to look at the first five of ten principles for unified ministry. It says, Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes. Notice that's two different groups. The chiefs of the fathers of the children of Israel, that's three. And they came unto King Solomon in Jerusalem that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king, Solomon, at the feast in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. And all of the elders of Israel came. The priests took up the ark. They brought up the ark of the Lord and the tabernacle of the congregation and all of the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. Even those did the priests and the Levites bring up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be told nor numbered for multitude. The priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord into his place, into the oracle of the house, that is, to the most holy holy place even under the wings of the cherubim for the cherubim spread forth their two wings over the place of the ark the cherubim covered the ark and the staves thereof and they drew out the staves so that the end of the staves were seen outside of the holy plowish place before the oracle uh, inside the in the holy place before the oracle and they were not seen without and there they are unto this day now, there was nothing in the ark save two tables of stone, which Moses put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. And it came to pass that when the priests were come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. That, that must have been an exciting service right there. And then spake Solomon. Because when God shows his presence, we should always turn to him with all of our focus, with all of our might. He said, the Lord said that he would dwell in thick darkness. I have surely built thee a house to dwell in, a settled place for thee to abide in forever. And the king turned his face about and he blessed all of the congregation of Israel. And all of the congregation of Israel, they stood. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which spake with his mouth unto David my father, and hath with his hand fulfilled it, saying, Since the day that I brought forth my people Israel out of Egypt, I chose no city out of all of the tribes of Israel to build a house that my name might be therein. But I did choose David to be over my people, and it was in the heart of David my father to build a house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And the Lord said unto David, my father, whereas it was in thine heart to build a house unto my name, thou didst well that it was in thine heart. Nevertheless, thou shalt not build the house, but thy son that shall come forth out of thy loin, he shall build the house unto my name. And the Lord hath performed his word that he spake, and I'm risen up in the room of David, my father, and I sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised, and have built the house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. 
And I have set there a place for the ark, wherein is the covenant of the Lord, which he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Let's go ahead and let's pray over the passage. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning as a congregation, and we just thank you so much for letting us come here. We just thank you that you give us encouragement week to week, that we can gather together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, that you show us the things that you want us to do in your word, that you want us to apply to our lives. And I just thank you that you let us go back out of these walls and into the area around us and that you uh, just help us to do your will as we work day to day. Lord, we thank you so much for giving us your church. We just thank you so much for giving us your scripture. And most of all, we just thank you so much for giving us your son, Jesus, so that we can have salvation through him uh, in you. And Lord, we just uh, pray this morning that you'd open our hearts and our minds to the ten principles for unified ministry, that you'd help us as a congregation to make a commitment to doing the things that you want when you want them done. And Lord, we just pray over our city, our county, surrounding areas. We just pray that you would uh, give us opportunities to impact it eternally. And we just pray, Lord, that you would help us to do that in a way that's pleasing, honoring, and glorying to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, when I looked at this particular passage of Scripture the first time, I thought to myself, okay, well, this is a great worship service. And I, and I thought to myself, I said, this is a, a good history lesson. But I really didn't understand how it applied to my life. And I didn't understand how it applied to the place where I was ministering. Scripture, as we study it, should always apply to our life, and it should always apply to our ministry. Now, the fact of the matter is, is that we all have ministry. Becky used to go to a church a long time ago, and on the back wall as they uh, would leave the, the sanctuary right there, they would say, leaving to serve. And so there became a culture in that particular place and in that church that it wasn't just the preacher that was behind the pulpit that ministered. That it wasn't just the deacon that did pastoral care, but that each one of the members of that church left that church to go out into the community beyond. And they left there as missionaries for Jesus Christ. That they took the love of God that he had placed in their heart when they accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. That love that is fostered when we come together in unity at Unity Missionary Baptist Church. And they go out of the doors excited to do the work of the Lord as missionaries in the place where God has planted them. And so when I came to this passage here, 1 Kings chapter 8, and I began to try to understand how it applied to my life outside of the walls of my church, God showed me 10 principles for unified ministry in this chapter. The very first thing that I saw, the very first principle that we need to understand and apply to our life is we're to have a unified ministry here in Richwood and beyond is that your church is vulnerable to factions and to divisions. I don't know that uh, personally. You know, I can't say, okay, well, these are the things that have happened in history that have been factions and divisions. But I know that among God's people, among any people, any group of people, there is vulnerability to factions and divisions. What do 
through verses number 5, we see the elders of Israel. We see the heads of the tribes. We see the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel. We see the men of Israel. We see the priests. We see the Levite. And we see the congregation of Israel. And, and you say, well, my mother did when she read the passage. Except well, I don't see any division here at all. They came together to, to build a house for God and to dedicate a house for God. And I said, that's true. But why did God break them all up instead of just talking to them as the children of Israel? Because they identified as elders of Israel, and they identified as the heads of tribe. They identified as priests. They identified as Levi. And maybe here today what that is is an older generation. Maybe that's chief leaders of voting blocks that are typically ordered by families. Uh, maybe that is formal leaders of small groups. Maybe that's Sunday school teachers. Maybe that's ministry leaders. Maybe that's youth workers. Maybe that's heads of households. Maybe that's the pastoral staff. Maybe it's deacons. And we all have these things that we identify by, but the principle that we learn from this particular passage is that your church is vulnerable to factions and divisions. It is a reality of unified ministry. If we don't accept it as a reality of unified ministry, then we can't deal with ministry that is unified and effective for Jesus where God has planted us all. And so the first principle for unified ministry in 1 Kings chapter 8 is that your church is vulnerable to factions and divisions. It's the second. In verses 6 through 11, the second principle for unified ministry is that when your church is unified in ministry, God's presence is very, very evident. Now, I want you to look down at verse number 6 with me real quick. Let's remind ourselves what it is. The priest brought in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord into its place. They brought it into the holy place. The cherubims overspread the Ark of the Covenant in verse number 7. They kind of set things up and they drew out the staves. The ends of the staves could be seen in the holy place. They couldn't be seen outside of the holy place. Look in verse number 9. Inside of the Ark there were the two tables of stone, which was the covenant that Moses had put in there in Horeb hundreds and hundreds of years before when the children of Israel had come out of Egypt. And look at verse number 10 and 11 real close with me. It came to pass that when the priests were come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. And you notice that as they started to bring their focus of worship to this one place in unified ministry, It wasn't where it was supposed to be. 
Those are the folks we used to worship with across town. Those folks used to be part of us because there were divisions and there were factions and they came to the surface. And we were not unified together and God's presence was not evident with us. But you know what? The Holy Spirit always quite often that before there can be peace there must be purity and we find purity as we each seek the leadership of the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit comes among a congregation his presence becomes very evident among them. Paul talks about it in one place and he said that the unbeliever would come among the believers who were worshiping and when they left, they would praise God and say, God was among them. And that's the way I'd like us to be here. When your church is unified in ministry, God's presence is very evident. You must, if we apply it here, you must bring your salvation here. You must bring your church home here. You must bring your gifts here. You must bring your sacrifices here. With our look at our furnishings and our values, they have to have excellence and completion here. And when we go out in ministry, then God comes in. And as we go out with the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, then God's presence becomes very evident among us. And we affect the world around us. Number three, as we hasten on in 1 Kings chapter 8. This is a tough spot for me. It's a tough personal spot, one that it speaks to my heart a lot, digs in a little bit because I just want to do what's right. I just want to please God. Look at verse number 12 with me as we look at the third of the principles for unified ministry. Your good intentions are not always God's will for unified ministry. Did you hear that? If you, if you were looking away or you got distracted for just a second, I, w- I want you to just really pay attention to me for just, just a second. Your good intentions are not always God's will for unified ministry. Now, David, David in his life, he, he wanted to do right by, by God. Look, look at verse number 12 as, as Solomon begins to speak 
talking about God and how God had, had been with his family before. And then in verse 15, he begins to talk, and, and he said that the Lord God of Israel spoke with his mouth to David. So there was a relationship there that was significant with David, his father. And, and look at verse number 17 with me. And it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And the Lord said unto David, my father, whereas it was in thine heart to build a house unto my name, thou didst well that it was in thine house. Solomon, he, he spoke of David's intentions. You know, David couldn't speak of, of his intentions. David. We mean the best. David meant the best, but I want you to look at verse number 19 with me. Maybe the, the most important verse of this particular chapter. Nevertheless, thou shalt not build the house, but thy son that shall come forth out of thy loins, he shall build the house unto my name. 
God's work moves on from generation to generation to generation. And when we have an idea, when we have the thought that our impact in a congregation, that our ministry in a congregation, that the way that we want to do ministry in a congregation is the way to do ministry in a congregation, then we throw away our future We throw it away for our children. We throw it away for our grandchildren because it has to be God's way and God's time, and he sets that, not us. Number four, as we continue through the passage and hurry on, I have seven minutes, Brother Don, seven minutes. Wow, she might might have been right. 66 verses might have been a little tough to tackle. Number four. Your focus on God, and particularly his son Jesus, is the beginning of unity. Before we read that section, I just want you to notice a couple of things as we'll go down through it, okay? These might not just stand out to you if you just don't, you know, really kind of hear them first. So I want you to, to hear them first. Solomon began at the altar in prayer. We mentioned that this morning in Sunday school, didn't we? His focus is public, and his prayer is public. The third thing I want you to notice as we go through here is he acknowledged the covenant that regulated his life. This is all under your focus on God, and particularly his son Jesus is the beginning of unity. And so as Solomon really pins in on God, the promised Messiah in his day that would come, as we look at God and on Jesus who has already come forth, he focused on God's promises. And he focuses on God's holiness, God's unique character that we've talked about before. I want you to look down at verse number 22 with me. Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all of the congregation of Israel. He spread forth his hands towards heaven and he says, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth beneath who keepest covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee in all of their hearts who is kept with thy servant David, my father, that that thou promised him. Thou spakest also with thy mouth, thou hast fulfilled it with thy hand as it is this day. And therefore now, Lord God of Israel, keep with thy servant David, my father, that thou promised him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit on the throne of Israel, so that thy children take heed to their ways, so that they walk before me as thou hast walked before me. And now, O God of Israel, look at the focus over and over, God of Israel, God, behold the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I have builted. Becky and I, as we begin to get our lives focused on what God has called us to do and be packed up and released to the Lord, as Jesus became very real in our lives, more than he ever become real in our lives before, because we were pursuing relationships with him, we go 
And lastly, this morning, I have two minutes now. The fifth principle of the ten principles for unified ministry is God will answer your prayers for unified ministry to develop yours and other people's relationship with him. You should desire that God answer your prayers. You should pray with confidence that God sees your situation, our situation. Plead with God to intervene on your behalf and on the behalf of others. Pray regarding all situations. And know that God will answer your prayers for the purpose of developing our relationship and others' relationships with him. Look, look at verse 28 with me. Solomon begins to pray, and, and he begs God. He pleads with God. In this particular moment, with all of the congregation focused up together with him, and he says, you can't be contained in this little work, this little house that I built for you. Yet have thou respect unto the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication. O Lord my God, hearken unto the cry and to the prayer which thy servant prayeth before thee today. I think he got intense as he is praying this prayer. And, and he, he goes through and, and he begins to, uh, verse number 29, 30, 31, he, he begins to give examples of, of situations in, in churches or in the congregation of God's people. If any man trespass against his neighbor, that, that's man against man. And then, and then look down at verse 33. When thy people Israel be smitten down before thine enemy because they have sinned against thee. And this is man's sin against God. And look at verse number 34. Then hear thou in heaven 
and forgive the sin of thy people, Israel? Look, look, even in natural disaster, right? Verse 35, when heaven's shut up and there is no rain because they've sinned against thee, if they pray towards this place, confess thy name, turn from their sin when thou afflictest them, then hear thou in heaven and forgive. Look in verse 37, more natural disaster. If there be in the land famine, pestilence, blasting, mildew, locust, caterpillar, if their enemy besieges them in the land of their cities, so even in war, what prayer and supplication, verse 38, be made by any man? Verse 39, then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive and do and give to every man according to his ways. For thou, even thou only, knows the heart of all of the children of men. And why? So that they may fear thee all the days that they live in the land which thou gavest unto our fathers. You know, this morning, as I start ministry,